0: This program, of course, is presented by Pro Wrestling Illustrated, the most widely read, widely sold, and respected wrestling magazine in the world today. This is the Pro Wrestling Illustrated Podcast. I am your host, PWI senior writer Al Castle, back once again with my co-host, Dan Murphy. How are you?
1: I'm doing well. I'm uh, I'm ready here to uh, talk about the PWI 500. I'm excited, I'm rested, I'm relaxed, I'm ready to go.
0: Yes, this is our our biggest issue of the year, and because of that, uh, certainly one of my favorite podcasts to do of the year, where we get to just kind of talk about it, break it down. uh, And yes, indeed, I think by the time you're listening to this, uh, the 2019 PWI 500 will be available for digital download at pwi-online.com. That means you'll have it. In your mailbox if you're a print subscriber, pretty soon. And uh, it'll be available on Newsstands before long as well. So we're going to be breaking it all down. We're not going to go through 500, but we will talk about uh, the top 10 and some other, uh, I guess, notable uh, rankings. And later on, you will hear from the number one ranked wrestler of the 2019 PWI 500, uh, who I got to talk to some weeks back. We won't give it away just yet who it is, uh, but stay tuned, and you'll be able to hear from him at the end of the show. Right now, let's tell you how to do it. Again, pwi-online.com is the place to go to check out the PWI 500. Uh, it's going to be, uh, again, not, not to uh, oversell this thing, because uh, I don't think it needs overselling, but it, it's always uh, certainly our, our biggest issue of the year and a pretty big news story, and I think this year will be uh, no exception. Dan, you're going to be doing the rounds, too. That I hear you're going to be on uh, the Chris Jericho podcast?
1: Yeah, I am taping that tomorrow uh, as we record this right now. So I'm not sure when everything will come out and air and everything else. But yeah, I'll be doing the uh, uh, the Jericho podcast tomorrow. Uh, a few other ones I'm sure will come up, and and uh, you know they always do. So uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll be making the rounds.
0: Yep, I'll be uh, I believe talking with uh, my buddy Dave LaGreca at Busted Open uh, in the next couple of days. So you could expect this uh, yeah to be be big news in the wrestling world. Uh, in the next several days. And, you know, all the stories that will come up online or radio shows uh, aside, the the only way to really kind of dig in, dive in and uh, really kind of digest the PWI 500 is to pick up the issue, have it. It's not something that uh, you can really fully appreciate just looking at a bunch of Uh, names next to numbers. Um, It is uh, a big issue, takes up most of the issue. There are bios and essentially an explanation for the ranking of every uh, one of of the 500 wrestlers on the list. It is a real painstaking effort uh, that you and I and everybody else at PWI 500 puts together uh, every year, so you don't want to miss it. Again, the thing to do is go to pwi-online.com Subscribe uh, either to their print or to digital edition, and you'll get everything else that we do uh, all year long from the Achievement Awards, uh, the report cards, the PWI poll, all the other big projects and uh, features that we do throughout the year. Uh, We are still going strong very much in our 40th anniversary here. Uh, If you want to check out all the work that that we do, pwi-online.com is the place to go. Uh, Also, on the back of the issue, you'll see, I believe... um, The PWI t-shirt, the Pro Wrestling Illustrated t-shirt is, uh, available once again for sale at prowrestlingtees.com, uh, go there and pick it up, um, and what else do I want to plug? I want to plug, uh, Twitter, at official PWI, uh, on social media, we're also on Facebook, I think, I just recently found out, I think we're on Instagram, uh, and, uh, whatever else, so, uh. I don't feel like I need to plug that much because if you're listening to this, it's because uh, you came to it. You know this is a big issue. Uh, But again, for all your PWI needs, go to pwi-online.com. All right, Dan, let's get into it. The PWI 500, uh, it's... The, about the biggest, uh, I think, uh, project that we take on every year. It's also, it, it's a ton of work. It is uh, sometimes the the bane of our existence, certainly on a nice, beautiful summer day <laughs> when we're holed away inside, you know, typing away, uh, but also yeah. a lot of fun. B- before we go into it, big picture, how does this PWI 500 uh, uh, measure up to sum of the past?
1: You know, I think that, uh, and and I think we'll probably go through uh, the top 10 or so in this uh, podcast, and looking at the top 10, I really think that we we nailed it. Um, You know, a lot of times we look at the grading period, and the grading period ends at June 30th, Uh, so we look at the previous 12 months, and sometimes by the time the magazine hits newsstands, some things have changed. Some people who were a little bit higher up have dropped down a little bit, and things don't age as well. Um, this time I really think that we nailed it. Uh, I think that the top ten that we have are really a who's who, and I I think that if you look at what 2019 is in in wrestling worldwide, uh, this is the cream of the crop. Um, And I I think that we did a really good job with that. So I'm very pleased with the top ten. Overall, I think the main takeaway from the issue is just that there's so much international talent represented. Uh, It's a lot harder now for a lot of the guys on the independents, the guys on the smaller Uh, promotions throughout the uh, the U.S. to get that ranking because there's so much elite talent that we are seeing now uh, between WWE, NXT UK, Progress, other promotions worldwide, uh, and because of the ubiquity of the internet, we're seeing all this worldwide elite talent that's showing up that we hadn't seen or maybe wasn't out there in previous years. Uh, so I think that there is a more geographically diverse group of uh, people listed in the tiers 500, and I think it's a really uh, great barometer for what wrestling has been over the past 12 months.
0: Yeah, I mentioned uh, when I recorded with Mike last week how we had a, a 500 list pretty much ready, and then uh, you know we kind of put out the call to the writers, is anybody missing here? And I think at the end of that call, we probably had an, another 100 wrestlers that uh you know, and, and not all of them made the list, but 100 accomplished, good wrestlers, uh, and, and it speaks to, you know, it, it seems like 500 doesn't even go far enough uh, anymore. So uh, uh, there's there's room for more, and even making it to that coveted number 500 spot uh, is, is no shame because the reality is there's many more super talented, accomplished wrestlers that don't even make the list. Uh, so uh, you, you touched on the grading period. It's basically uh, the midpoint of one year to the midpoint of uh, the following year. That's important because even from uh, June 30th, uh, 2019, which is the cutoff for this period, so much can change from then to now in terms of who's getting a push, who's not getting a push, who's got a title, who uh, doesn't have a title. The one I always bring up is The Miz a few years back, when, when he was number one back in 2011, it did not age well by the time the issue came out uh, in, in August, and he was essentially kind of a, a mid-carder uh, doing a lot of jobs. So um, that's important. The other important thing uh, I think we should mention is criteria. So, so why don't you go over some of the things that we look at?
1: Absolutely. The criteria is is the main thing and and that's what we try to adhere to the most. I mean, how is somebody number 47 as opposed to number 84? Um, How are they number 200 as opposed to 475? Um, We really look at the criteria. It's not a matter of just kind of, you know, slotting names and and just throwing things, uh, you know, pulling things out of a hat and seeing where they fit. We really try to look at this criteria throughout the entire process. Uh, The main criteria again we look at the grading period that is the main thing is everything that's occurred within that 12-month span that being said we can look outside of the grading period for context uh for example if if somebody is a former world champion we might reference the fact that they previously held the title or that they uh, they had done this earlier in their career because it really shows where they are over the past 12 months in the bigger picture of their career, which shows some kind of career progress and momentum. But the main thing we look at is achievements within that that span. Uh, the criteria is the one loss record, so wins matter. Um, if you have great matches, but you're losing them all the time, you know, it depends. If some people think, you know, it's a five-star match, so both guys, you know, do deserve credit for that. Yeah, but if one guy's always losing that five-star match, then the other guy is, is going to be rated higher in the PWI 500. Uh, wins and losses do matter based on our criteria. Um, technical ability. A little bit less technical ability can refer to a few different things. Uh, work rate is, is often thrown out there, but it's basically just kind of how good of a wrestler you are. Um, there are some wrestlers who are... Better than others, more athletic, do a little bit more um, and and those who have an edge uh, technically do tend to get ranked a little bit higher than those that don't um, influence on the sport this is a big one for you know the the top ten guys, definitely, uh, even maybe the top fifty or so, uh, but we really look at you know whether they're a big fish in a small pond, a small fish in a big pond, or a big fish in a big pond. Um, What their influence is and uh, what their overall standing within wrestling as a whole is another factor that we look at. Um, Then competition, success against the highest grade of competition and success against the most diverse competition. So are you wrestling, you know, uh, mid-card guys and dominating? Are you up against other main event guys? Uh, And are you wrestling the same opponents all the time or are you wrestling a very diverse group of uh, opponents, Uh, particularly on the independents? That can make a big difference. And then activity. Uh, We do have an activity criteria that we enacted a few years back. Uh, Basically what that is is that the wrestlers, to be considered, have to wrestle at least 20 matches during the evaluation period or at least one match in seven separate months. That's kind of a low bar, but it eliminates some of the people like, for example, we mentioned Chris Carrico, Mm -hmm. uh, The Undertaker, Goldberg, Triple H, guys like that uh when they do show up they have high pri- high profile matches but they just simply have not had enough to be ranked in the 500 uh the seven months piece that can be for example somebody on the independent level who may hold a uh, a prominent uh regional title but only wrestling that one company maybe they run a dozen shows a year or something along those lines i think Tom how Brock uh, and that got on,
0: on the list last year was
1: uh yeah uh, well there. that's true he he, right, it wasn't the 20 matches, it was the, the seven months. So he's, that means that you're active consistently throughout the year, even if you're not wrestling every month. So that's a way to kind of uh, you know, include some other people who may not have that, that high match count.
0: Yeah. All right, without any further ado, and I don't think uh, this is going to be a big shocker, our number one, but why don't you go ahead and tell us who is ranked number one in the 2019 PWI 500?
1: This year's number one in the 500? It is Seth Rollins. It is his second time as number one. He lasted it in 2015, and he, after uh, beating Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania 35, uh, that was his biggest win of the year, and certainly one that really kind of helped us during the evaluation period. But he also won the Royal Rumble. Um, he had an intercontinental title reign at the end of 2018, and he was consistently really Raw's top performer throughout the grading period. So uh, Seth Rollins, it was a pretty easy choice. Uh, we had a little bit of discussion of other candidates, uh, but he was the consensus choice and he is our number one.
0: Yeah, I don't see a whole lot of people take an issue with that. I, I should mention again, you'll be hearing from him uh, in just a moment. I got to talk to him uh, about him topping the PWI 500 a few weeks back. A fun interview um, that you will see in the pages of the magazine in a special feature about him, uh, but you'll also be able to uh, listen to uh, the rest of the interview here on the podcast. And yeah, I think he had a terrific year. I don't want to say it was a, a runaway uh, winner, but I think he was the, the clear choice. And, uh, you know, I had a discussion uh, last week with uh, Mike about him more, and I ended up having to cut some of it out because I didn't want to kind of scoop ourselves uh, too much here. Uh, but we talked a bit about how he's really embraced the role of being uh, the, the flag bearer for WWE and, and all that means. Beyond just wearing the title, and, and we should point out that when uh, we were putting together the 500, he had already lost the title, so yes. I'm glad that, that's very, that he got it back. Exactly.
1: We have a panic, the panic of, oh, has it aged well? you know, yeah. Okay, all of a sudden he's lost the belt, Brock Lesnar's back on top, but luckily that rectified itself before, uh, before yeah. our deadline. And
0: this will help him next year because he will have a universal title win uh, in the next grading period that we're in right now. Uh, but hes he really has embraced everything that it means to be the guy, the top guy in WWE, to some extent, to his detriment. And you'll hear in the interview, he, he jokes a little bit about that. I mean, I think when, when we first got to talking, he says, uh, you know, are, are you sure you guys know what you're doing? You guys are going to get uh, hell from the internet for, for this one, that that kind of thing. Um, and, and just kind of having some fun with the fact that he went from A year ago, being the the darling of the internet, I I remember when he was having those intercontinental title matches uh, with The Miz and Finn Balor, and he could just do no wrong. He was stealing the show every night. You become the guy, right? You you kind of, um, not fully, but to some extent, uh, take over that Roman Reigns uh, role, and it comes with uh, a lot of pressure, a lot of heat, a lot of detractors. I think uh, I'd say, and I think he'd say, Maybe some missteps uh, along the way that that he took that that didn't uh, help him curry favor too much with with the internet in terms of some of maybe his activity in social media and that and that kind of thing. Um, but I do think that he has has fully embraced everything: the workload, the responsibility, being uh, a, a spokesman. Uh, I'd say a company man. That that's a term that. Uh, in our interview, you'll you'll hear he sort of shies away from, but I do think it's a, a, a it fits him. I think he is a company man, uh, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, WWE is under fire right now in a lot of different ways. They, they're gearing up for um, their first real bit of competition in close to 20 years since uh, WCW folded, and uh, I think it's good that they've got a guy. Out front, saying, "I'm going to stick up for this company. I believe in it. I I think this is the be- the best wrestling you're going to see anywhere. Um, and i I think he's better suited for it than Roman Reigns was. So, um, and, and no, interesting number uh, one.
1: Yes, I have a copy of the magazine, an advanced copy of the uh, the digital edition here in front of me. And I know that you did the interview that we'll be listening to in just a minute here. Um, But there's a pull quote uh, from that interview that's used with with this feature story. And again, the print magazine or the digital edition magazine, the magazine itself, not only is it the list, but as you mentioned, it has all the bios. It does have an interview that you've conducted with Seth Rollins. Um, A lot of people will look at the list and I'll see it on the Reddit message boards and everything else. Oh, my God, why is this person ranked here? Why is this person ranked here? Blah, blah. It's in the magazine. Like, we explain it. It's all explained. Yeah. So uh, feel free to look at the magazine and and maybe you'll disagree with our reasoning for it, but at least you'll see our reasoning for it. Um, But in any case, there is a pull quote here with this uh, piece, and I think it really sums up what you're saying about Seth Rollins. Uh his quote is This is all I ever wanted talking about being the absolute best wrestler on the entire planet and uh it's it's really impressive that he is, is kind of stepping up and and taking that uh at least you know talking about being in- consideration of that honor um and that he really wants to be that man you know he wants to seize the brass ring and and be that flag bearer for w w e and i think he's done a, a hell of a job of it so far
0: yeah I, I think another uh theme in my interview with him and and just kind of um His 2019 is how much he has uh, grown up, uh, matured since he was last at the top of the list. And I interviewed him uh, then as well back in 2015 when we uh, picked him as number one. And he's the first to say and and says in um, our interview that he looks back on that and and thinks, man, that guy didn't know what he was doing. He was, uh, you know— so immature, uh, not ready for—I'm paraphrasing somewhat, but but that's kind of how he looks back on that. Um, and I do think some of that shows not necessarily just in, in his uh, work in the ring, but just his outlook on, on wrestling. And it is interesting that, uh, you, you know, again, the comparison with Roman Reigns, I think Roman Reigns wore the pressure— uh, of being the top guy in a, in a real kind of like uh, uh, public way. He looked just beaten up, miserable, um, For, for and, and I think not so much now that that he is not necessarily the top guy. Um, Seth, despite all these pressures and detractors, uh, he's the first to say he wouldn't have it any other way. I mean, I, I do think that he knows this is what I signed up for. Um, it's not always fun. But he's really thriving uh, in it, and, and and there's a whole other level of pressure that he deals with being in a relationship with uh, the woman who is is probably you know uh, the the next biggest star in in wrestling. So that's a whole other complication. But uh, a fascinating uh, uh, personality for our times, 2019, uh, Seth Rollins. So uh, yeah, I think we got that one right, and I don't think uh, I don't expect that many people to uh, disagree. Uh, Let's work our way uh, down the list. Who is uh, number two this year?
1: Number two is another one that I don't think many people would complain with. Uh, Maybe he's a little bit high here, but certainly uh, he had an incredible year, especially considering everything he's overcome. Uh, Number two, Daniel Bryan. Uh, Daniel Bryan, again, he had the SmackDown title that he won back in November, held it through WrestleMania with the the match against Kofi Kingston, uh, won that Elimination Chamber bout, had a real good resurgent Uh, run, you know, with the the Hemp championship belt and everything else. He really reinvented himself as as a villain, which is incredible considering how popular he was and how his comeback earlier last year was such a a feel-good story, you know, that he was cleared and medically able to compete again. And he managed to make the fans boo him, which is just a masterful uh, bit of work that he did. Uh, So based on all of his work during that uh, time period, number two in the 500 this year is Daniel Bryan.
0: Yeah, I do think this is one of those situations where it's not that it doesn't age as well, but um, I can see people looking at uh, Daniel Bryan's last few months and thinking this is too high. Because after losing the title to Kofi in April, he clearly took a big step uh, down, Took, took a little bit of time away, came back. Uh, and then was involved and, and largely has been involved in the tag team scene, uh, which is a bit of kind of underachieving, I'd say, for him. And now looks to be gearing up for another big run with, you know, maybe the biggest star in the sport in uh, Roman Reigns. So, uh, but, but yeah, I, I do think it's important with everybody in this list, again, to remember the, the evaluation period and to go back further than just the last few months. And remember, what a—I ter- mean, especially if you look at that run, I'd say, you know, uh, around this time uh, last year, maybe a little uh, deeper into the year, uh, October, right through April uh, when he lost the title, uh, he was terrific. And and Brian's always been one of the best workers in the world in the ring. But I think what he did with that character, the new Daniel Bryan, uh, was, was so awesome and uh, in uh, a company—and and we heard, you know, Dean Ambrose, uh, John Moxley talk a, a lot about this—in a company where it seems like uh, the, the system can stifle your creativity, uh, he managed to be uh, just a creative force for, for his whole uh, title run, cutting uh, some of the best promos of his career. Uh, that whole character, the Earth's champion or the planet's champion— uh, I, I remember that that scene backstage when he was the champion, where he was uh, berating the people who were uh, buying uh, merchandise backstage and threw a soda at somebody's face, and uh, it was just great. I mean, I, I, it was so fantastic. And this was really him. I mean, if you some of the best promos that he did over the year were uh, these pay-per-view pre-shows that were like on YouTube that nobody even watches or not a lot of people watch, uh, where he was really left to his own devices. And it was just tearing it up. I mean, he just knew that character uh, so well. So, again, I, I think some people may may look back and think, really, Daniel Bryan? He hasn't been that big a player for a while. Uh, but but go back and, and see some of his work during the, the year, and, and I think you'll agree with us. All right, who uh, is number three?
1: Number three. Uh, again, uh, you look at these three guys, and, and nobody can complain about the work rate, uh, their, their experience, the amount of titles they've won between all of them. Uh, But number three this year, it is AJ Styles. Again, uh, SmackDown Championship reign, had the feud with Samoa Joe, had the win over Randy Orton at uh, WrestleMania 35, um, and just had a a really impressive run. Uh, He was on top for a little bit, kind of came back down again, uh, but he was always near the top of the card and consistently delivering great matches.
0: Yeah, another guy who I think uh, his best run was uh, the first half of the valuation period, where uh i believe his his world title reign was the longest in i don't know how long i think since uh probably about a decade so uh i think he came close or or passed the year mark he passed the year mark i believe uh and but you know that year mark as champion ended relatively early in the valuation period uh exactly then, yeah yeah and then after that you know, kind of a mixed bag. He, he got a big uh, a big win at WrestleMania against Randy Orton. Um, I think uh, at least one of his U.S. title victories was within the valuation period. I think here is clearly a place where some of the other uh, criteria in terms of like technical ability, uh, influence, quality of opposition, all that uh, absolutely comes into play. And activity. I mean, this guy's a workhorse. So you, you look at um, his, uh, you know, his date card, it, it, it's punched a lot. I mean, it and for a guy who is now, I think, 41 years old, uh, pretty remarkable. So, uh, yeah, always a guy I think was going to be in that, that top mix. Uh, who is number four this year?
1: Number four. In 2018, this person was ranked number 82. And uh, this year jumped all the way up to number four. And it's uh, because, well, this year is a new day. It's Kofi Kingston, your SmackDown champion.
0: Yeah, that's that's remarkable. That's a, That's a big, big jump. Um, And, yeah, what can you say about Kofi? Uh, I'll I'll stop to point out um, that that's a a pretty good showing for WWE this year so far, right? I mean, uh, the top four, all WWE uh, wrestlers. And uh, Kofi, again, this has been the story of his whole year, right? Uh, The Cinderella story, a guy who a year ago you couldn't even imagine. And I think that 82 ranking was the lowest he had in a number of years. So, Uh, this was really uh, unexpected, to say the least, that he would come back and and, uh, uh, move all the way to number four. Uh, But talk about a a bit of his highlights, why why he made it all the way up here.
1: Well, obviously winning the title at WrestleMania, um, but then the win over Kevin Owens at Money in the Bank, um, had the win over uh, Dolph Ziggler at Battleground. Uh, But the real big one was the... um, it was the, let's see here, the the Gauntlet match.
0: Yeah, he had a couple game. of them.
1: Uh, yeah, there, exactly. There was the other Gauntlet match, I think, that happened right on SmackDown. Um, and, and that's where the, it really began. That's where the momentum started up, where the fans kind of got behind Kofi Kingston. And all of a sudden, this guy has been a queer I don't want to say mid-carder, but upper mid-carder maybe, tag team. He, he's been doing, the, the New Day has been a tag team act. And, and to be honest, largely a comedy act for the past several years. And, and that's just kind of where he was slotted. And uh, the, the fans rallied. He always had the ability, uh, but WWE just never seemed to really get behind him. Um, and this year, it, it all kind of came together. Uh, he reminded everyone that he can still go, that he's, he's still a hell of a wrestler, and he's still popular, and he's still good enough to, to be the, uh, the, the world champion and be the, you know, the, the top dog on a, a major brand. So uh, it all kind of came his way. But again, it happened in that second half of the grading period, the evaluation period. Yeah. Uh, had the window moved a few months uh, either way, he could very easily have passed uh, Daniel Bryan, maybe passed, passed AJ Styles, uh, because he's had a remarkable run as champion. Uh, but that first six months of the grading period is really, you know, just middle, you know, typical Kofi Kingston, uh, the same thing that he's done the past four or five years. Uh, He was probably on pace to be in the 60s or 70s, maybe even 80s again. Uh, But then everything changed uh, right early in the year and and going into WrestleMania. And all of a sudden, here he is at number four.
0: I think he did have a a tag team championship uh, victory within the valuation period. So uh, that helps him a little bit on on that front, kind of early in in the period. Uh, But yeah, I mean, after winning that title, he's just been racking up the title defenses, uh, a lot of them in very impressive impressive fashion. Uh, some, as you mentioned, after the evaluation period. So, you know, in putting together those top five moments of the evaluation period, I had to leave out uh, a few world title defenses and, and big ones. Uh, but what's interesting is, as as much as WWE, uh, I think, has been trying to put him over strong and, and having him go out there, defend the title a lot, win cleanly, uh, I think SummerSlam is the first time in a while that he, he didn't win uh, a pay-per-view title defense uh, cleanly that was ended in a, a double count out all that said I do think that the jury's a little bit out and and part of that is um, we haven't had those great performances after he won the title I mean I think in, in that lead-up to Wrestlemania he was you know tearing it down every night incredible performances at Elimination Chamber and those gauntlet matches he had the best match of the night at Wrestlemania uh, but since then He's yet to really have that great match. Some of it maybe uh, is the opponents that he's uh, uh, been paired with. Uh, But I do think he is in need of that breakout, you know, four and a half star uh, match. And I'm not sure he's going to get it out of uh, Randy Orton. Uh, Yeah, I I would agree with that.
1: I don't think he, I I wouldn't consider Tofi to be unlike the previous three guys so far, I, I would consider Rollins and, and certainly Bryan and, and Styles to be all-time greats. Uh, Kofi is, is very good. He's having a great year, um, but I, I don't see him being at that elite level and, until he has some of those classic matches, and I don't think he's had one yet. Uh, the match against Daniel Bryan was probably the feel-good moment of WrestleMania, but I don't consider it to be one of the all-time classic matches uh, that he really kind of needs to really establish himself as one of the great champions.
0: Yeah, yes. it was the best match uh, of the night, but it wasn't the strongest WrestleMania, so that doesn't say all that much. Uh, okay, well, who is uh, number five?
1: All right, you mentioned how the first four was definitely a big two for WWE. Uh, that changes uh, because of the next six people rounding out the top ten, four of them are not in uh, WWE, uh, and one of them is in WWE but in NXT. So only one more on the main roster, and the rest are kind of all over, uh, including number five. Uh, number five, it is your five-time uh, IWGP champion. It is Kazushika Okada.
0: Yep, uh, another great year. This is one where I could see some folks having an issue uh, with him being—it's crazy You know, to complain at number five of him being so low. But he is—you uh, know, you talk about all-time greats, and— in, uh, we're talking about Kofi Kingston, I think he's undoubtedly uh, now an all-time great, um, certainly in Japan, and, and I think, you know, you don't, even, you don't need to qualify. it. Uh, he's had such an incredible last few years. Uh, this is no exception. I mean, he won the, the IWG, IWGP title again in Madison Square Garden. I was there for that, a terrific match. Um, but... I don't know. I think some of it maybe has to do with with the relevance of New Japan this year over the last few years. And, uh, you know, they're now, I think, trying to expand their foothold in uh, the United States. Uh, But New Japan as a company, uh, I don't want to say they struggled, but they lost a lot of key figures in 2019. Not the least of which was Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks, the other people that went over to AEW. Uh, So maybe that affects uh, Okada's trajectory just a little bit?
1: It does a little bit. The other thing is it's the first half of the grading period. Yeah, he did win the the, uh, the WGP title at Madison Square Garden. Like you said, he did win the New Japan Cup. But early in the grading period, remember, he was going through a little bit of a slump. Yeah. Um, he, he was just kind of, and that was the storyline. Uh, you know, he had, he had lost the title, the thing that was so valuable to him, and he was struggling to find meaning and, and struggling to get through that. Uh, and, you know, you look at the story arc, and, and it made it where he, he did regain, regain the championship, and he's certainly one of the all-time best. But during that 12-month span, he went through a little bit of a down period, and that's reflected by the number uh, five ranking.
0: Yeah, he's a guy who uh, you could absolutely uh, see back at number one in the next few years. And uh, maybe we'll talk about that a little bit later, uh, what the 2019 yeah, and, PWI and, 500 is shaping up to be.
1: He may be able to make it, but the thing is, what he would need is he's going to need a rival that, that can take him to number one. Yes. Uh, and In and, and Tanahashi was that guy, and Tanahashi's getting older, and he's he's kind of going down uh, downhill a little bit. Omega was the second guy, and Omega jumped for AEW. I don't know if Jay White can become the third guy who can have that rivalry with him. I'm sure New Japan's hoping. Uh, but he really needs that guy who can really kind of get him to that level again because uh, a champion is only as good as his top contender. And right now, there's not as many top contenders in New Japan as there have been over the past four or five years.
0: They're trying to create some, for sure. I mean, Kota Bushi coming out of the G1 Climax, uh, if they do that match uh, at, at Tokyo Dome, assuming that... Uh, Okada still has the title back then. that That's going to be huge for sure. Um, you know, Osprey, I think, has been trying to uh, break into that top mix. But historically, there's always been kind of a bias against uh, the junior heavyweights uh, and and putting them on kind of equal footing with the heavyweights. And I think until Osprey can totally shed that label, it's going to be hard for him to be uh, completely accepted at the top there. Uh, but yeah, you're right. He needs his, his next great rival. Um, who is number six?
1: Number six from NXT. It's Johnny Wrestling, Johnny Gargano.
0: He had uh, he's another interesting case. Uh, the the one uh, criterion uh, that I think maybe hurts him, and some folks will take issue with, is activity. Uh, he is not terribly active, uh, but when he does wrestle. Because um, he's not and, – and I think this is absolutely a plus. Uh, he's not overexposed on, on NXT or anywhere in WWE. And this is one thing WWE tends to do a lot is overexpose people. He hasn't been. So they have saved him uh, for those big matches. And and every time he's been at, been put out there in that big match spot, the takeovers, he just absolutely tears it up. I mean, he, he is Okada-like, I would say, in that – He's not having good matches when he goes out there. He's having great matches. I mean, hes uh, you you could probably rattle off uh, three or four match-of-the-year candidates that he's had just over the evaluation period.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And during the evaluation period, one of those being uh, beating Adam Cole at NXT TakeOver New York to win the NXT title, the the vacant NXT title. But he also had the uh, NXT North American Championship with the grading period as well. Um, so he had the, 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 both the titles, he had the string of great matches, and he was really the flag bearer for NXT for most of the evaluation period.
0: And so beloved, all right? I mean, here's a guy who is uh, a, a true babyface in every sense of the word, miscast as a heel for part of the evaluation period, and he did find work as a heel, but it's just clearly not uh, what he he is cut out for, right? That's that's not where he's best positioned. Um and uh, he lost the title within the valuation period uh, against Adam Cole at uh, TakeOver 25 in, in Connecticut. I was there for that match. Uh, it might be one of the, the best live matches I've ever seen. Uh, and I think even in losing that title, it helped his ranking because, again, an incredible match that he was part of. So, uh, yeah, I, I had no qualms with him at this spot. Uh, who is number—what are we up to? Seven?
1: Number seven, yeah. And, and now that it's, it's an interesting thing that you say that it helped his ranking. I, I would I would disagree with that, but I, I do understand what you're saying. And the reason I would disagree with helping the ranking is because, again, on our criteria, number one is wins and losses. So he did have enough wins. Uh, it's just, I don't think that by losing a fantastic match, it would have elevated him in our ranking. I think that, if anything, it maybe brought him down a spot or so um, because he did lose. But your point is well taken, obviously. It was a match of the year contender, and, and he consistently does that. He consistently does deliver, you know, the, the best match of the night.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, as for number seven, another guy that you talked about, you know, a, a, you want to talk baby face. Uh, when this guy came back, it was, uh, it was pretty emotional. It was pretty huge. And, and for a man who struggled with his popularity over the past five years or so, uh, he was really on top of the world. Uh, that is Roman Reigns. Uh, Again, Roman Reigns uh, missed a good portion of the evaluation period with the leukemia, uh, but he was the reigning universal champion and had to vacate the title at the start of the evaluation period, Uh, returned to the ring, and had a a very successful comeback. Um, He did miss about five months of the evaluation period, uh, but he went from being the universal champion and really being a major player since his return. Uh, So he did qualify for a spot in the top 10.
0: Yeah, and uh, it's remarkable that's all he missed. I mean, you're talking about dealing with leukemia, and it wasn't even half the evaluation period uh, that he missed. So he actually had a fair amount of of ring time, as you touched on, uh, a universal title reign. And since he's come back... Has he lost a match? I'm not even sure. Ha- I mean, I can't think off the top
1: of my head. I don't think he has. Yeah, same with me. I, I can't think of one either. It was, I was wondering that myself. But um, certainly nothing that stands out. And he did have, you know, uh, a- after winning the, the championship, he-, he successfully defended against Finn Balor. Um, you know, he had the-, the feud with Baron Corbin. He had the feud with Drew McIntyre. And uh, he's-, he's really looked, I mean, you would never have thought that this guy was facing cancer you know uh just just a few months ago he looks amazing so it's really a incredible comeback story
0: yeah and, and uh i mentioned it before it really does feel like a weight has been lifted off his shoulders uh you know not in that absolute top spot at least uh not on raw even though i mean the, the brand split doesn't mean anything these days he's on raw as much as he ever has been but uh i i I, I see in him a guy who's having more fun at work. I remember writing his uh, his bio in the 2018 PWI 500 and talking about he looks like a guy who just shows up to work every day looking miserable, like he wants to be anywhere but there, and he really wore it, and uh, maybe it's, you know, coming out of the whole leukemia scare um, and, and, and maybe reevaluating your priorities and that kind of thing, but he seems to be having more fun enjoying it more, and I think it shows in his work. I think there's a level of energy in his work that wasn't there a year ago. So, uh, yeah, happy to see all that. Uh, Number eight. Eight,
1: number eight. Uh, Number eight was last year's number one, Kenny Omega, uh, former IWGP champion, dropped the belt to Tanahashi. Um, But the the big story with Kenny Omega, well, number one, he, he was the... Last year, the, the whole story was him chasing the IWGP title, and then finally winning it right near the cutoff of our grading period. It was just enough to put him over the top, and, and we made him number one because he was the man that all of wrestling was talking about. In a lot of ways, his actual title reign, though, was a little bit disappointing. Mm-hmm. He did wrestle in the U.S. He defended the title against Cody Rhodes in San Francisco. Um, he, he held had a, a decent title reign, but... A lot of the, the appeal of him or the charisma, the aura of him as a challenger, didn't really translate as a champion. Uh, and then after he lost the belt, he left New Japan and started up with AEW, and that's where the activity came in. Uh, because he was signed to AEW, AEW only had, I think, two events during the evaluation period or so, and they've only had a, a handful since you know this, this year. Um, and uh, Kenny Omega has not been as active as he was and without the IWGP title. I mean, he, he's still an elite competitor, but the activity in losing that title kind of dropped him down quite a bit. Well, yeah. not quite a bit. He's still in the top 10, but it dropped him down from the top spot last year.
0: Yeah, and I do think his his story or his ranking is the story of AEW in uh, 2019. Uh, really, it this year was about building this thing um i think 2020 is gonna be the real kind of first full year that you get to uh, really judge what aw is and it's not just him there are another uh, several other kind of notable names that are tied to aw who didn't uh, show up uh, that high in this year's list and that's because you know aw for most of 2019 was uh, a company that was being put together in, in back offices and wheeling and dealing and contracts and not so much in the ring. So, uh, yeah, I think that absolutely affected his ranking. He wasn't terribly active. And and I think as you touched on, uh, his IWGP title reign was a, a little bit of a letdown. You know, um, it certainly didn't last all that long. Uh, and, and, yeah, I, I think he's another guy who maybe was affected by not having the, the deepest roster of challengers. Uh, another thing that's worth mentioning, uh, and, and I think it's a reason why, for whatever the first 25 years of the PWI 500, we didn't have a number one wrestler, uh, despite how many incredible stars uh, were Japan was producing in that time. Uh, it's a testament to... Japanese wrestling being so different, and certainly New Japan, than um, the United States, it's kind of hard to compare apples and apples. Uh, a a wrestler over the course of a year, even a top star, maybe in the course of a year in New Japan will have a dozen singles matches, right? I mean, it, it's just not what they do.
1: Right. Yeah, it's a lot of tag matches, and uh, six fans and everything else. And, and, that's particularly true in Mexico. It's even worse. Um, where you can find people who have maybe three or four singles matches in a year. Yeah. And, and, and a lot of times, I mean, you talk about the even Steven booking in WWE and a 50 50 booking, whatever. Man, when you're, when you're looking at Mexican results and it's a series of trios matches and every night another guy in the trios match is getting the win and nobody stands out. It's, It's really tough to try to get those in the ranking, but uh, it's not as quite that bad in Japan, but it is very different where uh, um, you look at WWE, a a typical WWE wrestler will will wrestle 120 to 180 singles matches a year, most likely, and in New Japan or, you know, in in some of the other Japanese promotions, maybe 15 to 20. Um, yeah, maybe still a little a more than matches. that.
0: You know, the 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 tournaments that they do. Well, depending, uh, is, yeah,
1: depending on the tournaments and things. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah I mean, you, you you'll probably get I don't know seven eight matches in just one of the tournaments. But outside of that, you know, they really don't. You know, what's the the uh, the record for IWGP title defenses? It, it's not that much. I mean, uh, no, they are few and far it. between. And there's a case to be made that that's the right way to do it. The better way to do it. It it keeps the titles prestigious. Um, limiting how much a wrestler is out there uh, uh, night after night in singles matches maybe extends uh, their career some, even though they work such a physical style, it probably offsets it. But, um, you know, it's not the worst thing in the world. Uh, Yeah, it's
1: definitely the model with boxing and UFC. It's just that uh, WWE, you know, it says, you know, uh, a champion on the house show circuit will defend his title three, four times a week, you know, for, you know, for the entire length of the reign. It's just a very different model.
0: Yeah, yeah. Who is number 9?
1: Number 9, it is another IWGP champion, former IWGP champion. This one is Hiroshi Tanahashi. Tanahashi winning the IWGP IWGP title for the eighth time uh at Wrestle Kingdom. Uh again, really this is just Tanahashi really shined during a, a brief period during uh the evaluation period, but he shined very brightly. Uh, he won the G1 Climax tournament in 2018, uh, de- defeated Ibushi in the finals, uh, then went on to defend that title shot against both Okada, and then he went on and defended it against uh, Jay White. Uh, again, two of the, the top dogs in New Japan, and then went ahead and uh, defeated uh, Kenny Omega for the IWGP title at Kingdom. So I mean you just look at his accomplishments during that grading period. Uh he, he slipped off a little bit. He age has definitely taken its toll on him. His knees are, are not what they were from years of doing the high fly flow and everything else. Uh but he's still he can still pull it off. He can he's still a viable title contender and he showed it this year. He proved it by winning his eighth IWGP title, IWGP title.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. He's a guy who years ago. Uh, very much was in the running for potentially being the first ever Japanese star at the the top of the PWI 500. I I mean, I I know we had those conversations for a number of years. He never quite made it to the top spot. I think think maybe he got to that number two spot once or twice, maybe number three. Um, And then the last several years uh, fell quite a bit just because, as you touched on, his body was breaking down. Um, And so uh, it... It's surprising and really kind of cool to see him uh, back in the top 10 at his age and at this stage of his career. I mean, uh, almost reminds me a little bit of the story uh, with Kofi Kingston. In Kofi's case, he was never at the top. In um, Tanahashi's case, he's a guy who was very much at the top for a number of years. But I think a lot of people um, you know, saw his, his peak years as kind of uh, in the rearview mirror. So really inspirational to see him have this second run. Uh, in his 40s, and uh, even though, I mean, he certainly tries to to go as hard as he ever could, uh, even though he's got some limitations now in his body, he's more than made up for that in, in picking up some other kind of uh, veteran tricks about uh, storytelling in the ring, the way he conveys emotion in the ring. I mean, I don't know if anybody can get, like, fans crying <laughs> at, at ringside as well as Tanahashi does in one of his matches, so... Uh, yeah, very cool to see him back in the top 10. We'll see where he is uh, a year from now. Uh, yeah, f-
1: definitely a, a hall of famer by by any stretch, you know, any, anybody's definition. And I, I, I suspect it's probably the last time we're going to see him in the top 10 of the 500, but I, I probably would have said that two or three years ago, yeah. too. And, right. and he proved us wrong this year,
0: yeah, yeah. And who rounds up the top 10? I will uh, uh, point out there's a little bit of controversy with this one. I'll, I'll say this much. This person was not always in the top 10. Um, We had a list. I I won't say who uh, originally was at at number 10. You should not assume it's uh, who is number 11 because, in fact, it's not. It ended up being kind of pushed further down. But it it speaks to the list sort of being uh, very fluid and evolving even from when we started until we finally uh, kind of uh, finalized uh, the list. Uh, But who is this year's number 10?
1: It's funny that you mentioned number ten this year is the Mrs. Dad, the WrestleMania. <laughs> That's right. No, he was eleven
0: before, and then we
1: decided he <laughs> was very controversial. <laughs> but we decided, you know something, that guy was good. <laughs> but no, uh, number ten, uh, like you said, he, he wasn't originally on the, the first draft of the list in the top ten. Uh, but then, by winning the best of the Super Juniors tournament and some of the other success he had right towards the end of the evaluation period, we ended up going with Will Osprey. Will Osprey at number ten in this year's PWI five hundred.
0: Yeah, uh, he was quite a bit lower in some of their earlier drafts, and uh, I think there was—I uh, don't know if I could call it a ground well of support, but I—but I think after reviewing the list, and you try to kind of look at it from thirty thousand feet and say, uh, you know, what are we missing here? Who are the the guys who are really breaking through right now? Let's let's if. It feels like somebody's really on the cusp of something. You have to try to capture that, um, keeping within all the criteria. And I think Osprey was that guy. Um, and I'll, I'll say this much. I think in some drafts of the list, his ranking was uh, lower than it was last year. And uh, I think that, that created some conversation of, no, this guy is really onto something, uh, the, the the G1 had started and, and the G1 wouldn't um, factor into this evaluation period, at least not all of it. I don't know if the beginning period of it was, I don't think it would have at all. Uh, but nevertheless, he felt like the buzzworthy guy this year and, and has been for a number of years, but this felt like the year that, uh, and it was it was in part uh, him moving into that heavyweight title scene um, or the heavyweight scene and, and just kind of, Uh, you know, no longer being just the guy doing the the flips and stuff and really graduating into kind of a more sophisticated uh, style of wrestling and having some incredible matches uh, over there, including with Okada, that I I think uh, caused us to have uh, a longer discussion about where Will Ospreay is in the sport right now. And a lot of people will tell you he's the best wrestler in the world right now. Um, And where he's going and, and maybe take a different look of what his uh, last 12 months uh, were. So I think we got this one right.
1: Uh, Here's the thing. I will say this. I was opposed to moving your last brain to the top 10. Um, I don't think he's the best wrestler in the the world at all. I think think at number 10, he might be a little bit too high. Um, But again, with the the discussions we had and his performance in the tournament, as well as winning the best of the Super Juniors, a, a case could certainly be made. Uh, the, the other problem was the person we'd had at 10 kind of went into a losing slump yes. and it was very kind of easy to say, you know, maybe he's a little too high and, and we did drop him down a little bit. Uh, Osprey definitely is buzzworthy. Uh, definitely is somebody who I think a lot of fans will be happy to see in the top 10. Uh, for me, I still think he needs to show more consistently against higher uh, competition. Uh, I know you mentioned Okada, uh, but During the evaluation period, his highlights were the the best of the Super Juniors, which is uh, a great accomplishment, but that tournament isn't what it it used to be. Um, And then beating, you know, uh, Dragon Lee, Dragon Lee, a great talent, but Dragon Lee's not in the top 100. You know, he's not facing a lot of the top stars. Um, And I I think that that's the one thing that's kind of hurting his criteria, Um, but like you said, uh, there was definitely the buzz about him. There was a lot of uh, success that he was experiencing, particularly in the tail end of the evaluation period, and uh, we made the editorial decision to, uh, to move him into the top ten.
0: Yep. So there's the top ten. Uh, any other rankings jump out at you? Uh, whatever it is. Well, this is always a fun one. Who is this year's 500?
1: And number 500, it is Corey Storm, category 5 Corey Storm from Ohio Valley Wrestling. Um, again, I know a lot of times we'll have number 500 has been somebody with kind of a, kind of bizarre gimmick, uh, you know, whatever, uh, this year is just a really talented wrestler. And I think this really kind of speaks to the, the depth of the field this year. Um, there wasn't really, you know, uh, there wasn't a way to kind of just throw somebody in cause they had a, a cool gimmick or a cool ring style or whatever. Um, it was just a lot of really deserving wrestlers, uh, that were, uh, kind of in, in the final bit of, uh, contention for that last spot and uh cory storm is the one that got the 500 spot um another uh, number to consider here number 357 who do you think is uh ranked at number 357 this
0: year let me pull up my list i've got it here uh
1: oh you're gonna cheat you're gonna cheat
0: oh okay no that's a great story yeah go ahead
1: <laughs> well okay uh number 357 is jushin liger and uh, what is kind of cool about that, Jushin Liger still, is the only person in the history of the PWI 500 to be ranked every year uh, since the very first 500 in 1991. And, so uh, uh, he's the only person to make it every year. And in that time, he had brain surgery, he had a broken leg, yeah. but he still managed to compete within the evaluation period. It still fell within that, that, that area. And uh, uh, I mean, you talk about the Undertaker streak or Goldberg streak or whatever streak you want to talk about, but... Uh, I don't think anybody will ever touch what Tushin Liger's done uh, with the 500.
0: Theoretically, at least, this will be his uh, last year on the list.
1: Yeah, he has announced that he plans to retire after Wrestle Kingdom. So uh, this this is probably uh, the end of the road for him.
0: Yeah. Uh, Another major name that disappeared from the list this year, it's what I wrote about in my uh, take, Uh, John Cena for the first time since uh he debuted on the list, I think in two thousand and two, maybe. Uh no, I think it was before that, because it, it might have been two thousand. It was when uh he was what was he, the cyborg he, he made it a, uh, I think he the made
1: prototype. it as the prototype. Yeah, yeah. That's right.
0: Yeah. Um and the the only guy I think to uh place number one three times. He was um in the top ten I th- if something crazy. I I wrote about it. It might have been like 15 years in a row or something like that. It was certainly more than 10. Maybe it was 10 or 11. Nobody's ever uh, done that. And a couple years ago, it dropped off the top 10. Uh, I think last year, dropped out of the top 20. And this year, you know, frankly, just wasn't active enough um, to, to be on the list at all. And, and I think that's, uh, you know, that that's really kind of a historical milestone. I mean, I think it really ends uh, the Cena era, you know, that he disappears from the five hundred.
1: And actually, another one that I want to bring up here, uh, let me just confirm that I've got the right number for it as I go through it, and yep, there he is, number 453, making his debut on the PWI 500. It is a former WCW (laughs) world champion, David Arquette.
0: This uh, created uh, a little uh, controversy, too, among the staff. Not everybody was on board with this one. (laughs)
1: <laughs> that, that is true, but I mean, if, if you really look... I mean, number one, David Arquette has... Uh, I mean, and we go into it in his, his write-up and everything, but over the past year, he's really established himself as a name on the independents. Um, he, he's in a, certainly an attraction. He's a draw. And he's had some really good matches, uh, particularly his match against RJ City but some of the tag team matches he's had with RJ. His match against Nick Gage was on TMZ. I mean, it, kind of for all the wrong reasons... But, uh, I mean, he has been facing a diverse variety of competition on the independents, and he's doing it around his Hollywood schedule, and uh, he's, you know, he, he's met the criteria and uh, deserves a spot. So uh, yeah. we, we ended up ranking David. I mean, again, a former WCW world champion. The guy headlined <laughs> pay-per-views. But, uh, but he, he did make the list at number 453.
0: As far as uh, other promotions, where's the highest uh, that a Ring of Honor wrestler is ranked?
1: Uh, That's a good question. Let me take a quick look here. I would assume that it would be Jay Lethal, but let me just.
0: Yeah, I've got. I'm not sure if my list is uh, a final list. So uh, it's Jay Lethal. Well, you tell me where you see Jay Lethal.
1: I see Jay Lethal. Okay, well, this is. Yeah, this is official. So Jay Lethal is at number 16. Yes,
0: that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So
1: he's. uh, Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's fair. Uh, you know, Ring of Honor, I really wonder whether they're going to be a year from now, not just on the 500, but in general. I mean, I, it, it's one of kind of the uh, maybe underreported stories of 2019, but uh, they're struggling. And, and it's amazing that a company that uh, was in a sold-out Madison Square Garden a few months ago would be struggling as much as they are now. Uh, how about uh, Impact, the former TNA? Where's the highest they show up?
1: The highest impact wrestler that I see, let me take a look. They, and You want to talk about another company that's, that's really struggled. Uh, impact is certainly there. Um, impact, well, yeah, I don't know if this uh, – Phoenix, he's done some stuff for Impact, but I don't know if I didn't if even think contracted. about that, but yeah. Yeah, yeah uh, Phoenix is at 22. Uh, but then Jeff Cobb,
0: he wasn't there. I'm thinking uh, Johnny Impact, uh, and I've got him at 29. Is that where you see him?
2: let's see
1: yes uh yeah. and before that is pentagon jr at 28 so yeah uh, but again a, that, that, uh, yeah not
0: necessarily for their impact work i'd say johnny impact is the um is there is the one guy uh, the high center list who's primarily there for his work at impact yes
1: exactly yeah
0: yeah so uh anyway we're not going to go over all 500 um but you absolutely should and uh, the way to do that is to go to pwi-online.com. Uh, you could be scrolling through the list as uh, we speak here. You could download it right now, have it on your uh, your laptop, your mobile device, your tablet. It's customized for your mobile device, uh, so, so not just kind of a, a PDF of the magazine uh, and and a fun way to scroll through all of it. So you definitely want to do that. Uh, real quick, Dan, any thoughts? I touched on it before. The 2020 PWI 500, any predictions?
1: No. Well, I mean, <laughs> Seth Rollins, you have to give him the leg up, but I think what really uh, we need to see is is we're going to see over the next few weeks uh, what AEW becomes. Yeah, uh, AEW has the potential to really change everything. It can change the entire ballgame, or it can fall flat. Uh but the next six months, eight months, ten months are really gonna kinda make tell that story. Um it, it could be Hangman Page, it could be Chris yep. Jericho, uh it could be Cody, uh, or it could be none of them. Um but you know, AEW is gonna be the thing that's really gonna upset the applecart. Uh in WWE, I would certainly expect it to be Seth, uh Roman Reigns. I, I
0: think can think some about names it. that can break in well. there. You know, uh do we see Ricochet in the top ten next year? Uh, maybe out of a NXT taking a bigger role in WWE now. They're going to be on USA Network. Uh, do, do we see more NXT wrestlers in the top 10? Um, you know, and even in, in New Japan. I mean, do we see Kota Bushi break at the top 10? Do we see Jay White, who last year, I think, jumped from... Uh, it had to be one of the biggest jumps ever. I think in 2017, he was in the low 400s. and was, uh, yes. uh, Last year... I forget where he was exactly, but he was maybe in that twenty to thirty range, and jumps even higher this year. Where is he this year? Uh, he's in right the
1: now. top fifteen, I believe. Let me just go back up here.
0: I don't think he's in the top fifteen. Oh no, yeah, he's twelve. He is number twelve. Yeah, number twelve. Yeah, uh, number 12. So, yeah it's uh, uh, a big, big yep. jump. Yeah, he's a guy who I could absolutely see in the top ten or or higher next year. So, uh, yeah, a fascinating year. Uh, Dan, thank you so much, not just for the podcast, but for all you do with the 500, and you have done for the last 20-something years. We're we're still trying to talk you out of it, but uh, theoretically, at least, just like Jushin Liger, this will be your last PWI 500.
1: Yeah, Liger and I have a lot in common, and this is just the latest in the the line. You know what I think about it? uh, We've never seen the two of
0: you in the same room at the same time.
1: I actually have pictures of myself (laughs) with Jushin Liger, so that's not true.
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but thank you so much, Dan. Uh, we, we all sincerely appreciate it uh, a bunch. Um, right now, uh, as we said before, let's hear from the number one ranked wrestler in the PWI 500. It is the WWE Universal Champion, Seth Rollins. Hey, Seth. How are you, man?
3: What's going on, brother? How are you?
2: I'm good. Thanks for doing this. and Congratulations.
3: <laughs> thank you. I appreciate the, uh, the honor.
2: So uh, yeah, you join uh, a small group, Red Heart, Triple H, uh, Steve Austin, and John Cena as uh, the only wrestlers to twice or more be ranked uh, number one, that's Cena did it three times. Uh, I, I know you're a guy for, for whom a legacy means a lot, well, what does it mean to you to, to uh, be back at the top of the mountain and top of the PWI 500?
3: Well, first of all, I need to make sure you guys know what you're doing here. You know, the internet's not going to be very happy about this one. (laughs) So so you need to, you need to be careful where you tread here. You never know who you're going to upset. Uh, Secondly, uh, I'm very honored the fact that I, uh, and then that company that you mentioned, uh, those guys obviously are elite. They are in a class of their own, all Hall of Famers. uh, And so to be mentioned amongst them is uh, pretty special. It's been a Long road for me, actually. Uh, last four years trying to get back to this point, so it's also a bit of validation. I'm I'm pretty psyched about it. Yeah,
2: yeah. Um, when you you did go down to injury years back, you, you talked about uh, redesigning, rebuilding, and reclaiming. Does does this year and maybe WrestleMania in particular feel like the moment where you finally got there?
3: Yeah, I mean the last two years, I've really felt like I'm on the top of my game. Obviously, um, you know, twenty. 2017, the second half of it, really is where things started to pick up. And then 2018 was a, was a fantastic year for me. I felt really good, super healthy through most of the year. I uh, was fortunate enough to be in some, some really cool stories, um, you know, getting the ring with some incredibly talented guys uh, and girls. And then uh, 2019, I kind of just picked up where 2018 left off. And it's been uh, it's been a, a hell of a run, man. I'm super excited to be 33 and feeling like uh, I'm in the
2: best shape of my life and in the prime of my career. Yeah, you, you joked there about the internet not being uh, happy about it. Uh, does does that speak to how your role and your and your perception by fans changes? Because uh, a year ago, the internet loved you, right? I mean, you you could do uh, no wrong. <laughs> Uh, and, and now you you become that guy, the top guy, and yeah, you start getting some, uh, detractors. Do you just see that as kind of part of the job?
3: Yeah. and not funny how that works, right? A year ago at this time, I was, I was the golden boy of the internet, if you will. Everybody loved me, was hoping I would get the big push, all that stuff. And now, and now a year later, everybody's talking about how I'm boring, how I'm conceited, and fame and fortune has gotten to me, and... Uh, all that good stuff. So it's, it's very interesting how the tide can turn uh, and shift very quickly. But, yeah, it's definitely just part of the gig, you know. Um, to be fair, when when you're at my level, it's hard to find things to like about me. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah. yeah I'm out of the fence. So it, 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 it's funny, though.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think part of it also is that that you've been, um, when you kind of took this role, uh, uh, not just a champion, but kind of the guy, right, um, you were, you embraced all that came with it as far as being a, a spokesman for WWE and an advocate and a defender for WWE, and um that obviously is going to ruffle some feathers with, with maybe fans, people who aren't fans of WWE. What was that a conscious decision on your part? Feeling like, you know, if I'm going to be the guy, I'm, I'm going to go all the way and I'm going to speak up and, and more than just, you know, m- my own career here, putting myself over, I'm going to put my employer over.
3: Uh, you know, it wasn't really about that. I, I was just mostly so sick of the negativity on social media. Uh, it was just eating me alive. And like, It wasn't even just coming from critics of the company or like fans who thought it was cool to critique WWE, even though they have no idea what goes on behind the scenes. But it was like coming from people within our own company. And it was just like, it just made me feel real sick to my stomach. And I probably just read one tweet too many and had enough of it. You know, Um, just I know what, what we all go through, what we put ourselves through, the talent rosters deep as it's ever been, the schedule is as rough as it's ever been, Um, the expectations on the talent and performers are as high as they've ever been, and so I just know what everybody goes through and what we all sacrifice every single day to be the absolute best, and so the fact that people just sit behind their little phones with their little cowardly thumbs and type away and talk about how, you know, we need to fix this, need to do that, blah, 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 it's real easy to be a keyboard warrior in 2019. It's real hard to get your ass out there and do the work. And so uh, it wasn't really about like being a company man or anything like that. It was just about putting some positivity back into the world, you know, it just it just trying to change that perception uh, one step at a time. People, people got real offended by that. They really did not like me being positive about WWE, God forbid.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, some of what you responded to wasn't just from from fans and, and keyboard warriors, but other wrestlers themselves, right? Including your your former partner, uh, uh, Dean Ambrose. Did you just feel that it was important to set the record straight that, you know, this place isn't so bad, and you know, for, you, you guys keep beating up on it, but but there's a lot of good here. Yeah. Well, let, let's let's
3: just say one thing. I love, I love Dean Ambrose. I love John Moxley. He is my brother. He is my best friend. I have nothing but respect for that guy inside and outside of the ring. He handled himself leaving WWE as far as uh, completing all of his contractual obligations um, to to a T, like he was a, a pure professional uh, about every single second of it. Um, what, what I have said about him and about, you know, the place he has chosen to go work is that I don't think that some of the dirty laundry that he aired on podcasts is necessarily something that I would do. It wasn't the direction I would have taken. Uh, and look, if you're gonna go and work somewhere else then you're are you are, are you're gonna be complication if that especially if that's how you want to position yourself if you want to have you know your uh, your your bread and butter go out there with a sledgehammer and smash a, a, a fake throne of our top guy then you know what I mean like come on you're you're, you're asking for it so mm-hmm. um I'm gonna stand up for the place that I work and the people that I believe in the men and women that i stand side by side with every single day uh, and, if, and and if John moxley's on the other side of that and we're going to fight, and that's just how it's going to be, and I don't think he would have it any other way.
2: Yeah, yeah. Another thing that came from, from his, his departure is sort of the end of the Shield, and, and I know for for so long the the talk was, when's the Shield going to get back together? And as long as the three of you were there in the company, that was always going to be kind of in, in the background. Is it? And, and knowing that, that you love both those guys and it's not about wanting to get away from them, but is there something good about being able to put that in, in the rearview mirror, kind of close the the
3: book on that, at least for now and move on? Uh, at least, uh, you know, the way it is now, I know we're not going to be approaching that anytime soon, you know? So uh, to be able to not even have to have that in the periphery, is kind of nice. Uh, it allows us to focus on uh, moving forward and what's next for myself and for the company, uh, as opposed to, you know, having to wonder if we're going to use that to fall back on or if things go awry or, you know, it, it just has so many reasons to, to stay away from it. So yeah, now that he's gone um, and Roman and I can focus on, on ourselves and, uh, you know, to do as best as individuals for sure. Yeah.
2: As far as Roman, it was, uh, I mean, a lot of people saw his departure uh, late last year when he had to deal with his health issues as kind of the the opening for you to move into the, the spot that he previously occupied. Uh, and again, knowing that, Nobody wanted that for for him. Certainly not you, his closest friends, and wishing him the best. Did you see it that way, consciously or subconsciously? Here's an opening, and I've got to take advantage of it right now.
3: Uh, I, on the contrary, I actually felt like it was a huge, um, huge pressure, like a, a added pressure to put on top of my shoulders. You know, I was uh, when when you're kind of under the radar. Uh, a little bit, the way I was, you know, you get that uh, wave of momentum. The fans start to get behind you a little bit. It, it becomes kind of easy, and like you said, you could sort of do no wrong. Um, once Roman got sick and had to uh, had to take some time off, I felt like it was a ton, a ton of pressure on my end. Um, to, to hold things up while he was gone, and to kind of fill that void, and, and those are big shoes to fill. Probably some I'll never be able to fill. Um, and so, you know, I, I kind of stepped into that spot, but it surely was not easy, and it surely wasn't something that uh, I was looking forward to. And it was very, very difficult. And you're kind of seeing the ramifications of being in that spot now, knowing what, uh, knowing what he went through for years and years and years with that internet backlash, and now, now I'm kind of seeing what that tastes like. It's very interesting to be on this side of the coin.
2: Is, is it a kind of like be careful what you wish for, kind of thing? Where I mean, you—it t- looked like you were having a ton of fun last year, right? I'm thinking about uh, the the that, those intercontinental title matches with Finn Balor and the Miz, and you guys were tearing it up and having the the best match night every year. The fans love you, but you're striving for that top spot. You're, you're striving for the universal title and being the top guy. You get there, and now all these pressures. Does it? Is there any part of you that wonders like, is this even worth it?
3: uh no nah, man you know it's funny uh as difficult as it can be sometimes this is all i've ever wanted is to be in this position to be having this conversation with you talking about being the absolute best wrestler on the entire planet and so uh i don't think there's a single part of me um that would trade any second of it you know um we're going to make mistakes along the way, but we're going to learn, and we're going to get better. Uh, and at the end of the day, that's all—that's what it's about: pushing yourself to, to try to, to try to get better, to try to further the business, to try to make things as good as they can possibly be.
2: Yeah. What separates you from the other four hundred ninety-nine people uh, on this list, and, and everybody who's not on the list? What makes you the best?
3: Uh, you know, it's 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 a variety of things, um, and, and it starts with
2: my work ethic. I think.
3: Um, I just, you know, I look around the locker room, uh, and I look around the industry and I run a wrestling school and I, and I see up and coming talent and stuff like that. And I'm not knocking anybody because I think everybody works hard. You know, the guys and girls, especially that I travel with, we all bust our ass, but I really push myself to the next level. Every single person that I see that works hard, I'm always trying to stay a step ahead. Um, and with that said, I also feel like, uh, I'm, I'm very versatile, very well-rounded. I can sort of do everything, uh, and I can do everything very well. Uh, you know, like there's not a lot of weak points in my game, even the weaker, weaker parts of it are not that weak. And so I think just over the years, the last 15 that I've been doing this, um, amazing job, uh, I've been fortunate enough to learn from some of the absolute very best. Uh, pick up a lot of good habits and and uh like i said man i'm just I'm, I'm i feel like i'm at the top right now at the top of my game really in the prime of my career or at least starting to get there how, how does this run
2: compare to your your first run um at the top of the company uh, uh four years ago before your your injury oh man shoot
3: you know it's funny because i didn't even know i i felt like i had so much help back then i feel like i had uh you know, so many guys to, to help me along the way, and I was learning a lot. And, and even though I was uh, the champion, I wasn't necessarily, like, the guy in the company. You know, John Cena was still red hot. Uh, Randy Orton, you know, was a guy I worked with after WrestleMania was there. Uh, Kane and Big Show were still in the locker room. Taker was around a little bit. Uh, and so there were just tons of guys uh, to help carry a load and to really kind of hold my hand and guide me along. And so I was 29, I think at that point. And so it was just, a, I was a different animal. I was, a, I was a different kid. I wasn't, I had a lot of maturing to do a lot of growing up to do. Uh, and so it was, it's just, I, and I'll probably say it again in five years. Uh, but I just didn't know what I was doing. I I, I feel like looking back, I was like, what, What? who was that person? What was I doing? I didn't know what I was doing in the ring. And so now, obviously, I feel like i got a better grasp on it. But like I said, in five more years, I'll probably look back and and think I didn't know what I was doing now. So I think that's just the nature of learning and the nature of the industry.
2: Has uh, that injury and and how devastating it was, um, what has that taught you all these years later? Do, Do you still think about it? Do you still... When you're in there constantly or subconsciously, you worry about blowing up that knee again or anything like that?
3: No, not at all. You know, maybe at first uh, when I came back, I it was just getting myself in the ring shape, getting the knee used to the rigors and, and uh, of training and of, of working as much as we work and stuff like that and all the travel. But um, now it's just, it is what it is, man. I don't even think about it. I go out there, you know, I had some incredible surgeons, best in the world. They really put me back together uh, down in Alabama. I rehab my blood off, uh, and I, I feel like the knees are good in near Sometimes, Sometimes that surgical knee feels better than the other one. So, uh, yeah, dude, I, I feel great. Body's pretty good. You know, I was a little banged up earlier this year uh, after Royal rumble heading into WrestleMania, but uh, kicked out strong, and, and the, the summer's been awesome, and I've been fortunate enough to, to go out and have some really fun matches. Yeah.
2: Is, is it extra challenging because WWE is... Uh having some problems with some of their metrics, right that the t v ratings aren't where where you guys would want them to be I'm sure uh to some extent though the live attendance as well is that added pressure for you to represent the company when when you really need business to pick up
3: so I think one of the things that you got to get used to and it's hard for me because i'm 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 old school, right? So I'm used to the, the wrestling business, the pro wrestling business, live event gates, television ratings and all that. But the business is really starting to change. Uh, you know, we're, we're becoming more of a content oriented company. And that's just sort of how audiences are getting the media nowadays and short form content, whether it be Instagram stories, whether it be, uh, you know, Twitter videos, uh, uh, you know, stuff like that. So you, you look around and, and pretty much, all live event attendance is down, not just WWE related and anybody that runs, especially you know, we run more live events than pretty much any touring company in the entire world. besides so maybe Cirque du Soleil or something like that. Um, but like live event attendance is just down. It's advertising is just difficult. And so the way we uh, get our income is just through advertising revenue, through short form videos, through our partnerships, global globally and stuff like that. And so, uh, obviously for me, it's performer. It's hard to, um, you know, I compare myself to the greats. And so looking at, you know, the way houses used to be in the mid nineties and stuff like that. And even before that, um, it, 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 it certainly weighs on you, but you have to understand that the, that the industry is adapting entertainment world is adapting. Uh, and we're all, we're all trying to figure it out together. The way media is changing so fast, it's certainly something that we're going to have to figure out. Uh, but companies doing as, as good as it ever has, you know, coming into these TV deals with USA and Fox at the end of this year, um, things are great and so uh especially internationally our tv deals are awesome and our and our live room deals are great and so uh i'm just looking forward to uh to the next next phase of what what the wrestling industry looks like in 5 or 10 years
2: yeah yeah I, I was at a show at uh wiltsbury pa a few weeks back that you that you headlined and and it was kind of a small crowd and earlier in the show i i think some of the people were working you know there's a lot of a lot of a lot of uh, attack team uh, matches with lots of people in it, where maybe not everybody had to do all that much, and a lot of stalling and things like that. Which I understand—you got to save your bodies. Then your match comes in, uh, serving for the main event, and and you and Baron um, just left everything out there. And I was blown away by how hard you guys were working in front of a, a relatively small uh, crowd. I mean, really laying it in with the kendo sticks and tables and all that stuff. Um, is that something you particularly take pride on? I mean, whether it's seventy thousand people at WrestleMania or whatever that was, two thousand in front of Wilkesbury, PA, to to work as hard as you did that night.
3: Yeah, yeah. To me, it doesn't really matter. That's just something I've learned over the years from guys who I always looked up to as the main eventers. You know, when I when I came to WWE uh, and we debuted in two thousand twelve, the guys who were at the top of the card, uh, John Cena, CM Punk, like they were going out doing. Uh, street fights, half hour, every single night. Didn't matter what town we were in, how many people were in the crowd, whether it was a Sunday night or Saturday afternoon or a tribute to the troop show. And it, it just did not matter. You know, they went out there and put it all on the line no matter what. And so, like I said, I took that um and learned from them. And that's just what I do every single night. So, whoever's in the ring with me, if we're we're going on last, you know, we got to set an example for the rest of the card because I don't want whoever's going to take my spot in the next few years to come in and think they can just phone it in. Uh, That's just not how it works. You know, those people in Wilkes-Barre, you know, you guys paid the same amount as as someone in Boston did for a ticket, and you don't deserve any less of a show. And so I'm going to go out there and give you everything I got every single night, and that's just kind of the way I do things.
2: So I think the next issue we have after this one is the women's, what do we call it these days? So the women's 100, which is like the female equivalent of the 500, and and I imagine there's a good chance that Becky's going to be uh, number one. We haven't put that together yet, but but that'll be historic. It speaks to you guys being like the, the superpower couple in wrestling. Uh, what what's that like in terms of complicating already a high pressure situation? I mean, now not only is all this pressure on you, but all this pressure is on her. And really, you're you're kind of the, the top two stars in, in the company, putting aside gender just in terms of being an attraction and, and a draw and that kind of thing, and then trying to have a re- relationship on top of all that. So uh, what's that like?
3: Uh, yeah, I mean, it's good in some ways. You know, uh, one, the relationship always comes first. So, you know, that's an easy one. Um, two, you know, she's so good uh and and so much better than me in some ways, you know. Um I watch her get on the microphone and talk and I'm just blown away and I and I wish to myself that I could be as good as she is when it comes to that stuff. Um and so we just push each other to try to get better, you know, uh makes traveling on the road obviously a lot more enjoyable as well. Uh so that part's cool. But it is difficult in the sense that uh having your relationship scrutinized by millions of people Uh, every second of every day is not really something that most couples have to deal with. And so, uh, that can be difficult because at the end of the day, we are just regular human beings trying to uh, navigate the world, uh, as a young couple. And so, uh, that's hard enough as it is, if you're just hanging out, uh, you know, in your hometown with no one, knowing who you are, you know, uh, but being able to have to travel the world and do that and have people scrutinize you and and, uh, feel like it's their place to express their opinions about you and your relationship. You know, it's hard to, uh, it's easy to bite your tongue when it's just me, but when you're talking about my girlfriend and my relationship, sometimes it can be kind of difficult uh, to deal with all that. So, uh, it's just one of those things where you gotta, you gotta bite your tongue. You gotta know better and you gotta understand that, you know, this thing is between you and her and, and uh, do your best to, to make the best of it. And like I said, the relationship always comes first. And so that part makes it pretty easy and pretty simple.
2: Yeah, yeah. Kind of staying on the, on the theme of, of pressure, the other thing that comes to mind is is there's a lot of thought that you guys are, are uh, on the, the brink of a, another war, right? With AEW coming on, prime time, back on Turner TNT where Nitro was. Um, they're spending a lot of money um signing some some guys with name value, a lot of guys you used to uh, work with uh does it does it feel like you're about to get into a war, and what does that do to you? Does it pump you up? Does it excite you is it is it a headache
3: um yeah, man, it's tough because um you know kudos to them and everything they've been able to do uh, over the last couple of years um it's just a different ball game when it's gonna come to producing live television every single week. Uh, And then having multiple live events, you know, they've done a great job so far promoting their special events, uh, their live events and selling them out and stuff like that. But being able to do that and draw houses. Uh what do they do it every weekend? You know I don't know what their schedule is gonna end up being um and then again, producing a, a a live weekly television show uh that's that's not easy to do, especially fifty two weeks a year so we'll see what their business model looks like. We'll see what they're gonna end up doing but at the end of the day right now w w e is is such So far ahead, as far as like a company and and, and an entity, Uh, what we do, like A.W. Strictly, a pro wrestling company. And like I said, we are really much larger than that uh, from a content perspective. And so it's hard to look at them as competition in that sense. But at the end of the day, you know, they're going to have a two-hour slot on TNT. Uh, they're going to go out and say they're the best wrestling company in the world. and They're going to have their talent go out and put in incredible matches and all that good stuff. And so from an artist's perspective, yeah, that's going to make us go out and push ourselves. And that's exciting. Uh, but from a business perspective, they're there. They are so far behind us that they've got a lot of catching up to do, and so uh, not necessarily are we sweating in that in that regard. But it's, it's certainly exciting. It's certainly exciting for the industry uh, and for us as performers. So I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, you know what they end up doing and, and how far they can push this thing.
2: Yeah. Last thing. Uh, so um, you talked about you made reference to five years from now. Uh, so you're already looking that far ahead. You're now entering in in your your mid thirties. Um, do you see yourself doing this for another ten years, twenty years? I know Triple H just turned fifty over the weekend and, and still gets in there and, and looks great. Is, is that something that uh inspires you?
3: Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean when you're when your boss is fifty years old and looks like he looks and can do what he does in the ring, it's certainly something uh you know, to aspire to, that's for sure. That is definitely gonna help you push yourself. Um if that's not inspiring then I don't know what is uh as for me uh you know i just signed a new five-year contract before wrestlemania breaking news so uh, i'll be here for the next five years till i'm 38 ish uh and then we'll see where it goes from there you know uh might want to have kids might want to start a family might want to take some time off i don't know might want to go year to year uh who knows who knows what's going to happen so i'm definitely here for the next five years uh this business has always been my first love and so Um, I'm sure in some way, shape or form, I'll always be involved, but right now my goal is to try to try to push the envelope for the next five years, try to carry the industry into the next phase, whatever it's going to be. And, uh, and hope that I can play a part in it and hope, hope that I can leave the place better than I found it. That's always been my goal. And, uh, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm doing my best. And so, uh, hopefully I can keep on that path.
2: Anyway, thanks so much, man. Congrats again. Well earned, well deserved, and uh, hopefully we're talking again a year from now with the uh, the next 500.
3: Ah, thanks, man. I appreciate it.